This is realestateinvestingmastery.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Alex could not be with us, unfortunately. Uh, we are recording this on uh, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I, I, if you have not listened to the previous podcast we've done with Nathan Jurowitz, you've got to go back and listen to it. Just stop this. Go back to what we were doing before. Uh, Nathan is an uh, incredible marketer. When it comes to uh, real estate, when it comes to selling information online, when it comes to business consulting, uh, Nathan has done it all, and he's a he's got a tremendous success story and history behind him. And I was in a podcast. I mean, I was in a mastermind a few weeks ago, and uh, the leader of the mastermind asked Nathan to come and speak to us. And Nathan came and talked about what we're going to be talking about on this episode here, really about um, the REI or the real estate investing cheat code. And uh, we're going to be talking about frame control. Last episode, we talked about third-party endorsements. But uh, this has been really, really good, and I appreciate you coming on the show, Nathan. How are you? Doing good, doing good. So um, just, uh, I guess we'll just quickly review, basically. Yeah. Um, you know, my, I guess one thing I figured out is my successes that I've had in life were not because of necessarily the stuff the knowledge of real estate or the knowledge of internet marketing of, of how to do that stuff. But that is all stuff you have to have. And that's why people follow guys like you or they read books on real estate or read books on success. It's really because every single real estate investor is in essentially a good old boys club. It's not fair. If you play by the same rules of, okay, we're going to get our real estate license and we're going to become a realtor and we're going to use the same scripts and trial closes that everyone teaches – I mean, you're going to have mediocre success at best. A real estate wholesaler, guys that follow like you, if you buy the wholesaling ebook or you buy the wholesaling course and you send out one direct mail piece and expect to have you know, immediate success, it's, you, you may, it's, it's hit or miss. You have a, probably a 90% chance of failure. The people that are successful in real estate understand how to infiltrate any good old boys network. They understand how to get in with the REO agents, how to get in with the other wholesalers and potential lead sources. They understand how to overcome seller objections. They understand how to um, get private lenders excited about giving them money um, and basically form their own good old boys network locally or whatever in whatever market that they're investing in um, or flipping houses in. And this stuff really isn't talked about. Probably at all. So in, in the last episode, I guess, you know, we just kind of talked a little bit about my story and, um, and then we, we talked about um, uh, third, you know, first half and the second half, we just talked about third party endorsement. And there are seven things that I've kind of realized that, um, that, that I was doing that I really didn't realize I was doing. Um, and I call it um, the GainOps formula. And GainOps is an acronym for get anything you want, no BS. And in this case, you guys want to make money in real estate. So the GainOps formula is there are seven things that you have to be aware of. Third-party endorsements, number one. That's in the previous episode. Frame controls, number two. And we've got uh, likability, appearance, credibility, popularity, and storytelling. So, uh, Joe, if it's all right with you, I think we'll probably spend the majority of this 
of this uh, podcast on and talk about frame control. Yeah. And then I'll kind of uh, blow through likability, appearance, credibility, popularity, and storytelling. Um, um, and that we should have that should fill up an hour, I think. Well, this is the main topic I wanted. The main reason why I wanted you on this podcast, Nathan, was to talk about this. So why don't you jump in it? I'll I'll interject with questions here and there. Okay. Well, you know, like the popular the popular kid in school or celebrities, the president of the United States, or just people that like when they say something, it just kind of happens, and people just kind of do whatever they want to say, whatever they say, and they're not even really trying that hard. It's because they really are good at frame control, okay? Frame control is basically like a contest to see who doesn't give a crap the most, okay? That's basically what frame control is. Another way to put at it, put it would be like, um, the, you know, if you could position any conversation, so if you go and tell them to go make you a sandwich, they're going to go make you a sandwich. You know, the, the person with the highest frame in the world is the most powerful man in the world, the president of the United States, Okay, I mean, think about it. He's got, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of power. You know, he's got bodyguards. He's got secret service agents. There's snipers standing on tall buildings, and they're preventing, um, they're preventing people from, uh, um, you know, threatening his life. And you know, I, my politics is—we're not going to get into politics, but I'm not really an Obama fan. But if Obama were to tell me, Nathan, go make me a sandwich, I would probably go make him a sandwich because he's the president of the United States. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, if you're, if you're listening and think, well, yeah, but I'm not the president of the United States, we've got to remember he got there because he knew someone that knew someone that knew someone. He got endorsed by someone, and that's how, he, you know, that's how he's the president of the United States. But we, we called this, you know, I call this the cheat code method because um, there are – adjustments that you can make in your language patterns to give you presidential-like power. And there are four types of frames. And this is really important when communicating with real estate agents, when communicating with private lenders, with sellers, cash buyers, with, 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 you know, with anyone. There are four types of frames. So I want everyone to write this down. You've got setting the frame, smashing the power frame, giving the frame away, and accepting the frame, okay? And it's really difficult for me to directly define these four types of things. The only way to really break it down and really explain it is to tell everyone like stories and show people examples of how this would be applied in uh, real estate. So, um, Joe, Joe, we were talking about uh, before the other day when we were, we were talking about doing this interview, I said like, what's the number one question that you know, people always ask you? And I think you said something about, you know, how do I do a deal with no money or you know, something like that? How do I close my first deal? Or what, right, what, yeah. What, what were, like, typical responses? Uh, <clears throat> how do I do my first deal? Um, how do I get started? Or how do I overcome the fear of talking to sellers and, and uh, getting, a, getting my first deal? It really kind of it revolves around that. Yeah, fear is a huge striving factor. When you understand frame control, you're, like, cheating when you become aware of this stuff. So it actually kind of helps the fear go away. But like here, here's a scenario. Okay, let's say that you want to do a rehab deal. Okay, you've got no money and no credit. You know, like the like the real estate guru told you, no money, no credit. You could still do this, and uh, you want to buy a house, rehab it, and sell it for a profit. You can't, you can't get a, a loan because banks aren't lending on rehab deals very easily. I mean, I mean, maybe some are, but it's kind of hit or miss. The only way 
to do a rehab deal is to find private money locally in your area um, and get them to give you the money for the rehab. Okay, so let's say that you had a title agent give you a third-party endorsement and endorse you and say that, oh, you should meet Nathan, you know, he's, he's doing all these uh, you know, rehab deals, or you, know, you should meet Joe, and he's, he's doing these deals, and they agree to have lunch with you. At the beginning of the conversation, remember, you've never done a deal before, but the, but the private lender you know, has a couple million dollars in the bank. Okay? So, Joe, at the beginning of the conversation, who's likely to have the, the frame, the higher frame? The private lender. Private lender. He doesn't need you. You know, so that right there, that scenario right there stops everyone from doing real estate. You know, or like 99% of people that try and fail um, because it's just too intimidating. They can't play at that. They're, they're afraid of well, what do they think? What are they going to think? I've never done a deal. You know, I don't have credibility. You know, they have all these fears. You know, what if they figure out I don't know what I'm doing? You know, all these, all this negativity and reasons why you can't do it basically talk you out of doing anything like this. When you understand frame control, when you understand how to how to handle these situations, like it, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even exist. Okay, so so um, sma- so smashing the smashing the power frame would be like see so they go you, you agree to go to lunch, um, or let's even say like that you bought some automated private money course that had some automated direct mail campaign that direct mailed all the private lenders, you still got to know this stuff because when that person calls you to potentially give you private money, you are still going to have to talk to them, okay? So if you have the, the, the mindset of, oh, I don't want to have to talk to anyone, then you should probably not be in real estate, okay? You are going to have to learn to be a good communicator, and this can be a learn. You don't have to be a natural. I, myself, am not a natural. So let's say that you agree, and uh, let's say that you agree to sit down and meet at Starbucks, or uh, let's say you agree to have a lunch, okay, at noon. Okay, typical clumsy power frame is going to show up 20 minutes late. And let's say that he says, sorry, um, I actually don't have time to have have lunch without another meeting I got to go to. Um, I only got 20 minutes. Um, Show me what you got. Okay. Like, Joe, what do you do? Like your whole like big sales pitch is now just went out the window. Um, So, I mean, just the thought that that might happen is so intimidating that you may not even try to raise private money for your own deal at all. So there are three common like react reactions that people that, that people um, that, uh, that, that that people will do, and only one of them will typically work. The first one is to be like the needy, the, the, the needy reactive, smaller frame individual that needs money for his real estate deal. So immediately you react. react and you're like, oh, okay, you know what? That's no problem. Uh, um, I wasn't even hungry, anyways. Um, I'll just uh, um, let me show you the 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 deal that I need the money for. Here's here's all the numbers. Um, tell me uh, tell me what you think. Okay, you're, it's guaranteed to work, not work, probably ninety nine percent of the time. Right. Because you're being needy. People don't want to do business with needy people. People don't want to date needy people. You know the guys that are like always texting girls and stalking them all the time? They never get the girl. And they think, well, the more she runs, the more I'll just chase her. And you just push her away even more. It's the same thing in business. It's all the same stuff. Okay? Every situation is the same. And when people become aware of this, there's people that are good in the dating arena, horrible in the business arena, and good in the business arena, 
horrible in the dating arena. It's all the same thing. So, um, so what happens is people, you know, so they, they try that. That doesn't work. But some people they have egos, and one of the like one of the golden rules of of understanding frame control is to leave your ego at the door. If you have a huge ego, you're probably going to lose. Also, you can never be reactive. You can never get angry as well. So, like, what will happen is, you know, the scenario number two is to use the douchebag method, as I call it. And I call it the douchebag method because if you study, like, the stereotypical douchebag is they're all very reactive, they're very insecure, they get angry easily, um, they have to show off, and, like, they just, you know, they, they don't get very far in life in a lot of cases or maybe they were the popular kid in high school but then later on they end up being a total loser this is why so what will happen is the douchebag method you'll be very reactive but you're still trying to smash the private lender's power frame so you'll say something like oh well that's cool I didn't really need your money anyways um, you know I only need 15 minutes of your time in a very angry and frustrated tone I can't, can't believe he like you know, he, he's, he's doing this to me and stood me up like this. Um, you know, I've got more deals than I don't even want to know what to do with. Um, and they're very prideful and arrogant. And they think that even though I think subconsciously know that they're really sabotaging their deal, they're just so reactive and so angry and so frustrated that that's how they react. And, pe- and people don't like doing business with douchebags, okay, especially the higher up you go. It's like, you know that guy? I mean, that guy, I mean, he's got a lot of money, but he's such a douchebag. Why would, why do people want to be business with him? You know, they're not likable. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we, we've, uh, you know, we're in the real estate guru niche. We got a lot of, you know, people with egos that you and I probably know that we want to talk about, you know, that meet, that meet that criteria. And we, you know, choose not to do business with them because it's all about the ego. Okay. You have to smash their power frame in a completely likable and covert way that they don't even realize is even happening. So you would say something like, you wouldn't react, you wouldn't get angry. After, the, after he says, you know, 20 minutes, you know, I only have 20 minutes to give you, show me what you got, you would say, oh, you know what, dude, that's totally cool. I didn't expect that, uh, that you were going to have time for lunch anyways. I mean, I know who you are. I know that you're a busy guy. I get that. Actually, I have an appointment that I got to go to as well. Um, I'm, I'm not going to need uh, 20 minutes of your time. This is only going to take me 15 minutes to explain anyways. Um, I don't actually have any deals that I need your money for right now. Um, but I have deals come ac- that I come across like this every single week. And I can kind of you know, show you the numbers on a typical deal, but what, what a typical deal looks like. And you can kind of tell me if you think that works for you. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. You can maybe tell me what kind of deals you need or what kind of people you need to lend out to and maybe someone in my network I could introduce you to um, you, you know if, if that helps but you know before we do that dude, let's just make sure that we like each other because I only like to do business with people I like and um, I know that you're probably the same way knowing everything that I've all the good things that I've heard about you um, excuse me miss ma'am can, can I get a coffee uh, Bill Bill you want anything you want a coffee um, I'm by I got this I'm by this okay I didn't react and in a really nice and likable way. I basically just said that um, that I don't even give a crap about your money. I don't need it. You're the one that needs me. I don't have. I don't. I don't. I have deals coming across all the time. I have the deal. I'm the prize. It's, I have it. 
and you don't. And maybe if you're really nice, you can be my friend and you can like get into my good old boys network. Okay. That's, that's good. But it's so covert that people don't even know this is happening. You know, typical like typical like sales methods say, oh, you have to use trial closes. So an example of a trial close would be like, oh, just imagine what it would be like if I had deals like this brought onto your lap every single week. Wouldn't that be awesome? Okay, that will work for dumber, less aware people. And dumber, less aware people are probably not the kind of people that you're going to want to do business with in real estate. They know, they've, they've heard all that crap. They've heard about trial closes. But frame control, they have no idea it's even happening. It's covert persuasion at its finest because people want what they can't have, okay? So, um, you know, this, when you're trying to um, mingle and play at higher levels with the big bad REO agent, with the big hedge fund manager, the big private lender, the intimidating people that people are afraid of, you understand how to smash power frames in a likable covert way, like it's so funny because you you know what you're doing and they have no idea it's even happening. Um, That's excellent. That's really really good. Here's another one. This is really like really ninja. This is called setting the frame. Okay, this is basically where you set the frame that people have to live up to when you have a feeling that they're just going to be a pain in the ass. Okay, so um, like. I mean, I know, Joe, you know, like that uh, real estate agents, especially when doing, dealing with real estate agents and doing like creative investor type deals, like they're always like a pain in the ass. And not all of them, but like a lot of them are. Yeah. Like they don't think outside of the box. They, you know, they want to be difficult. So like say that you're selling a deal or you're working with someone and you, you get like, you know, you get a real estate agent and she calls you up and she's, you know, she says she wants to show the house. And you can just tell in the tone of her voice that she's just going to be a total pain in the ass. You just know. Like she's asking questions like, what are the exact homeowner's fees? Well, I'm going to need a seller's disclosure before I can even see it because my broker said that you, know, you had to do that. Oh, assignments. Assignments are illegal. You can't do assignments. My broker said this. Uh, um, you, know, just, you just know that they are going to figure out a way to sabotage this deal because they don't know what they're talking about. Have you dealt with people like that before, Joe? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Okay, here's what's so funny. When, when they go show the house, because they probably have a qualified buyer that really wants the house. Um, and you can't just not show her the house and not work with her because there's like discriminatory laws about not presenting all offers or not accepting all offers that are, are you, know, you know, compared to someone else's so you could get in trouble. But, and if they really do have a qualified buyer, you have to like, figure out a way to get this deal closed anyway. So you need to set a frame that she has to live up to. So in conversation, like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, Rita, you, you, showed, you showed the house. What was your last name again, Smith? So who did – I can't remember. I think your name came up. I think we might have a mutual friend. You know Joe McCall? No? Who was it? I can't remember. Someone was, someone was just talking about you, and they were just telling me um, – that, uh, that you really knew your stuff and you were really easy to work with. Anyways, here's what we got. I'm really looking forward to working with you. I know you just want to get this deal closed. Um, so what do we got? Okay. I basically just set a frame that she has to live up to. I told her that I had heard, I possibly heard that she was easy to work with 
and knew her stuff and I was really looking forward to working with her, I set a frame that she now has to live up to. She now isn't even allowed to be a pain in the ass. You know? I've heard, you know, I've heard, I've heard really good things about you. I've, I've heard you're really easy to work with. What is she going to do? Disprove my point. So, oh, no, I'm a pain in the ass to work with. That's why I need <laughs> this, 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 and this. And this is illegal and this is illegal. No, she's not even allowed to. Oh, yeah. Okay? This is a, this is a Jedi. Uh, this, is a, this is a Jedi mind trick that people don't even realize is even happening. You know, this is used, uh, you know, to, like, uh, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're, when you're talking to someone you just know is going to be lazy and not really be on the ball and be like, uh, and you're, you're trying to explain, you know, some type of uh, concept to him. It's like, Hey, you dude, you get it. You're, you're, you're smart, right? You're reliable, right? Okay, good. Um, movies do this. Um, you know, like when you watch a movie preview and it says the following preview has been approved for all audiences on that big green screen. Oh yeah. Well, you'll notice that the word preview and all audiences are in bigger text when everything else is in smaller text. On a very subconscious level that you're not even aware of, you're probably thinking, oh look, the following preview has been approved for all audiences. I'm all audiences. I better watch this. Hmm. So now you're more likely to watch it because you're more engaged. Yeah. And then some of the more racier previews say the following preview has been approved for appropriate audiences. Notice that in a movie theater, no one gets up and walks out the door because <laughs> right. no one wants to think of themselves as not appropriate audiences. So the movie rating people have themselves totally covered. Okay, you know they've got themselves covered legal. We said appropriate audiences, but no one wants to think of themselves as unappropriate audiences. So they all watch the film. That's really really covert. Like, and people don't even think about that kind of stuff. So it's like you know what I, I totally get. You know, it's a good thing you're not racist. You know, it's a good, like, just like when you set a frame that people have to live up to, you can really get, get them and inspire them to be better at their job. Okay. You know, if you, let's say you're negotiating with a seller, say, listen, you know, what happens is you, oh, here's a, here's an improving sure file real estate system to get motivated sellers. And then you know that you have to negotiate a real estate deal at, and it's a hundred fifty thousand dollar house, and you're you know trying going to try to get it for eighty five thousand dollars. Okay, say listen, I know you show up to the house, and you're negotiating with them, and then what does the seller do? Oh well, I had this appraised two years ago, and the appraisal came in at one hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and it's like some overinflated refi appraisal. Okay, that like it's not even worth that. It was inflated to begin with, and now um, and it's. It's just not going to happen. But let's say for some reason, wherever the situation is, they, they have equity. Um, you would say something like, you know, listen, I know you're, you, seem like a, you seem like a smart guy. I know that you, you've obviously done your research and you can tell, you know, that if, if, if I've done a little research. I'm not sure if it's worth 185. You could probably get 150 for it. So if you really want 150, you should totally put it on the market, list it with a realtor. And wait to get you know you know the highest offer possible, and you could probably get that with what I'm seeing that the houses in this area are taking about 90 days to 180 days to sell, depending on how it shows. So I completely agree with you. You're completely right. You you know you you get it. That's why the, you know when you when you nice thing about working with me. I know that's why you called me. You called me because you just want someone to fix your problem now is I'll close cash, I'll close cash today, but you know that I'm a businessman. Um, 
and you know, I'm obviously I'm doing this. Uh, I'm doing this for a profit. Um, you know, most smart people know that. And after the conversation I just had with you, I can totally tell you where to get it. So here's what here's what I'm willing to do when you work with me. I don't I pay out closing costs, and um, you don't have to worry about any commissions or anything like that. And we don't have to worry about like the appraisal not coming in right or anything like that. I'm just gonna have to do a couple of inspections that'll only take a few days, but you'll get you know a uh, you know, fair and reasonable offer um, and we'll close in you know two weeks. Um, does that sound like something that you're open to or are you just trying to get absolute top dollar? Because if that's what you're trying to do, um, we're probably not gonna be a good fit. But yeah. you, are, you know, I mean like I'm use I'm setting a lot of frames and smashing a lot of power frames so that that whole uncomfortable conversation that comes up where they're just like, you know, they're just like uh, uh, wanting some unreasonable retail price. You're the first one that talked to them this way and did not BS them at all. So they're more likely to feel comfortable around you because everyone else is like, yeah, I'll give you a fair reasonable offer. And then they say, well, it's only worth, it's, I know you think it's worth 150, but we only think it's worth 85. So here's 85, and they like they feel like you're deceiving them because you never are, um, rather than just setting a frame that they have to live up to, that they understand how business works and how things uh, uh, communicate. If you're a wholesaler and you've got buyers calling them, say, "Well, send me a list of properties that you have." You know, I think that it's a mistake to have like a website with pretty properties um, and just a list of every property you have imaginable because that doesn't seem like it's especially especially if you're wholesaling it doesn't it doesn't seem like it's a good deal okay right like you know everything needs to be like a secret so yeah you can get on my you can um, well you can go on my website you can get on my list and occasionally when we get properties up we do send them out but honestly dude the, the, the types of deals that I'm going after have to be closed extremely quickly so I only work with people um, with cash and usually as soon as I get a property like by the time I send one text message, it's already gone. So I'm typically only working with people that are, you know, have a million dollars to to work with and understand this business. But you know what, dude? You seem you seem like a nice guy. I'll tell you what I do. I'll tell you what I do. What are you looking for? Okay, that's the criteria you're looking for. I think I'm. You know, I had something. I had I had something that I think I have something in that area, but it might be sold. Hold on one second. Put them on hold. Wait thirty seconds. Put them back on hold. Pick back up. Okay, you know what? Actually, that one fell out of contract. This one's available. It's eighty-five thousand dollars net to seller. Um, I don't have any pretty pictures to show you because I just got this, but I've got some attachments that I can email you real quick. What's your email? Okay, let me know. But seriously, dude, I own. Like, if you're not serious and like this is your you know first deal, if you don't have cash, like don't even like don't even bother looking at it because. This needs to be closed quick because here's the situation, okay? And what what that will do is that may actually shoot and kill that relationship with that buyer. But if anyone's ever done a real estate deal that fell apart the day before closing, it's because they didn't have this conversation from the very beginning, and they didn't understand how to weed out buyers that aren't buyers. Right. It's setting the agenda up front, isn't it? Exactly. Business cards is um, extremely important. Using friend Mitchell, everyone does business cards the wrong way, especially real estate agents. Let's look at a typical business card. What does a business card have on it? It's got your company name, your name, your title, 
your email, your cell phone, your office phone, your fax number, your Twitter, your Facebook, your company slogan, the same lame glamour shot photo of you, and then the really bad ones, you turn around the card and it tells you, it tells them everything that you do. Everything that you do. What you're really communicating is you're communicating neediness. You're telling people, please just call me for any reason ever. And essentially, you just end up doing business with a bunch of needy people. They're doing a bunch of low-level business deals. That, you, know, you want to position yourself for it to be a privilege to do business with you and to have your cell phone, but not in an unlikable way. So people that try to take smashing someone's power frame too far is they will say, oh, I don't hand out business cards. I don't give out my cell phone number. And that's not likable. That's the, that's the douchebag method. Maybe if you're Donald Trump or you're President Obama, you could get away with that because people would expect that. But I would imagine that, you know, you know, President Obama's probably not listening to this podcast right now on networking skills, okay? We're probably <laughs> not all, you know, I'm not playing at that level. So, um, you know, we have to do it in a more likable way. So, like, my business card, for example, on one side of the business card, it has a picture of the back of my leopard print hair, okay? And on the other side, it says Nathan Jurowitz with my email. That's it. Does not say what I do, doesn't have my job title, doesn't have my company name, and most importantly, does not have my cell phone, okay? That's extreme. So most people, they may not be advanced at this to pull that off. You've got to be a really good communicator to look the way that I look, and still have people take you seriously, but you have to make your business card so it stands out more than anyone else's. So maybe it needs to be a different size. Um, it, I mean, on one side there should be some type of cool picture of you or just something that's different. On the other, on the other side, name, email, office line, as little information as possible. No cell phone number. Okay. So what's happening is when you're networking, people will be like, "Oh, do you have a card?" Okay. You'll give them a business card. Okay. Um, what will happen is after that networking event, they'll go home and they'll stick the business card in their top drawer along with the 15 other ones they got and completely forget about, who is this guy? I don't remember this. Exactly. You know, why, why did this happen? They'll never call you. And, um, you know, cause you know, and I know that's true because you've probably done the same thing. The business card's really a decoy. So people ask me for my business card. Oh yeah, here you go, dude. And I'm like, what is this? And then one in five or one in ten people you network with that you actually talk to, you'll determine, okay, this person is someone that I actually want to do business with. This person is someone that I could give a third-party endorsement to. This is someone that has something that I want, okay? So after you've had that conversation and you've figured out that, okay, this person is, like, good, you say, hey, you know what, dude? I'm going to give you my cell phone number. What's your number? Pulling out my iPhone, getting the text ready, and, and, then, and then they say – Okay, it's uh, 813, you know, 123, 4567. Okay, cool. So then I text them my name, Nathan Jurowitz, kid with leopard print hair. Okay? What I was really communicating in my entire covert Jedi master plan cheat code was basically when I handed them the business card at the beginning of the conversation, what I'm really communicating with them is I don't give out my cell phone number. But I'm not actually saying that. I'm saying that in a really covert way. I'm not saying, oh, I don't give up my cell phone number. So then at the end of the networking session, I'm, I'm saying, hey, I'm going to allow you to have my business card, or my cell phone number, rather. Um, 
but you're not really saying it. It's very, very covert. So now they feel privileged to have your business card. They're not, it's not going to, the, the business card that I gave them was really a decoy. It doesn't even matter if they keep it or not because the whole point was to get them to be more reactive when I texted them or called them the next day. Because even if they don't store my phone number, it says Nathan Jerwitz with leopard print hair. They are not going to forget that. If they talk to 200 people at a trade show, they will not forget that. Like, oh, yeah, that was the kid with leopard print hair. So whenever you text them your name, don't just text your name, John Smith. Don't just check. Don't just text them, Joe McCall. Just text them, Joe McCall, real estate podcast dude, or whatever, like, you talked about in the conversation. Because then they will remember. Because people will be too embarrassed to say, who are you again? Like later on when you actually talk to them. That's good. You're making it a privilege to have your cell phone number because you are the prize. Okay? That's extremely important. You don't have to have a huge network. You have to have an effective high net worth network when you're you know, dealing with you know, hedge fund people, private money lenders, you know, stuff like that. This is really, really, really important covert stuff. So we've, we've mixed up a little bit and talked about setting the frame and smashing the power frame. That's powerful. Third one is giving the frame away. This is where it really comes in handy because I said frame control is basically a contest to see who does not give a crap the most. Um, and this is basically where you give the frame away to a power frame that needs to have it. If you have two really advanced communicators that are good at frame control, the person with the biggest ego almost always loses. Okay. And it's because it's impossible for him to give the frame away. So say that we're, uh, what we're talking, and let's say that I have uh, uh, a, a real estate agent. Let's, let's say that um, we're at a networking event, and um, there's a real estate agent, and they don't like me because I'm an investor, and I'm flipping houses, and that's like bad. And she intentionally tries to call me out in front of all these other real estate agents to embarrass me and get me to react and, and stutter. And she's like, well... You know, I know guys like you are all the same. You know, it's all you know, everything that you're doing is, uh, is 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 illegal, and you know, blah 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 blah. I mean, you just give her the frame and say, "I totally uh, get what you're saying, and I, I I I get why you would why you would think that." Because let's be honest, there are a lot of people um, in my industry that are bad apples that have kind of ruined it for the rest of us. So you are really actually kind of right to think that. Um, but I mean, if you just forget about the fact that, that, you know, I closed 80% of my short sale transactions, um, then you're, you're completely right. Um, but, um, let me ask you a question. Are you working on any short sales deals now? And you just say something really nice to her and just basically stroke her ego and basically say, they're totally right. They're totally cooler than you. They totally, you know, you totally understand why you would think about it. You have like one line of defense saying, um, that basically communicates why you're different than from everyone else, and then you say, um, say you know, really, and then you just um, basically make her feel like an asshole for even call, trying to call you out. So you'll you'll say something. I would say something like, "Oh yeah, how many short sales are you working on now? What, what kind of issues do you have?" And I would give her one really good tip that wouldn't benefit me at all. And now she just looks like a total asshole in front of the whole group. Because you gave her the frame, you let her win, and basically what you're doing is you're communicating that you don't even give a crap about even having the frame. She can have it, and by not caring about having it, you actually still have it. That's good. Um, and then at the fourth 
the fourth type of frame control is the one least used. It's just accepting the frame. So some, some people start to really figure out that you're really good at this stuff. Me, I, this happens to me more than anyone because all of my friends know that I'm always doing this stuff. So they'll say, you know what, Nathan, we'll just do it the way you can have it. I'll be, then rather than trying to give the frame back to them, I'll just say, I'll just say, oh, dude, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And just change the subject to something else because I didn't even give a crap about actually them giving me the frame. And I changed the subject to something else. So now they just gave it to me, trying to keep it for themselves. But I gave it, accepted it, and then just and just switched it to something else. And now I have it, and they don't even know what to do. Can you give another example of that, Nathan? Um, or maybe re-explain well, that. I'm a little confused with that one. Yeah, like uh, like let's say, like let's say someone got an attitude. Like a real estate agent says, "Okay, Nathan, you're right. This is really only this is." This is only really used in where it gets confrontational. Okay. Okay, Nathan, fine. We'll do it your way. We'll use your title company. I get it. I really appreciate that, Jennifer. By the way, um, what's, what's, your, what's, your, um, what's, your, what's the best email to send you this contract at? And that, like, the, you just. They're like, fine, have it your way. So I just accepted it and okay. changed the subject. Okay. All right. Okay. You know, um, if you look at like an immediate media, you know, like this is one really good example. President Obama and Donald Trump, whenever they go at it publicly, okay, Donald Trump always loses. <laughs> You're <laughs> Every right. Every single time. You're right. He always loses. He, he, uh, he was criticizing Obama for not like releasing records about his, uh, about his background, about his, like his college background or whatever and said that I'll donate $10 million or $3 million to this, the charity of his choice if he releases these, uh, these documents, trying to get Obama to react and become defensive. And then Obama was on Jay Leno and Leno was like, what is it between you and Trump? And then Obama said, well, this goes back to when we were, you know, playing soccer in, in, I don't know, Ecuador, wherever, wherever it is that Trump thinks he's from, you know, he wasn't a good soccer player and, you know, I was, so he didn't, <laughs> he didn't like it. Right, Like right. Obama was just laughing at Trump thinking it's hilarious that he's trying to call him out, didn't get defensive and just like jokingly agreed that he wasn't really born in the United States mm-hmm. and, you know, now Trump looks like a douchebag because he's got such a big ego. So that's why, you know, politics wise, I probably favored Trump. Because I'm probably more to the right, but frame control wise, you gotta respect the guy. The guy is a master at just diffusing critics. Yeah. He's really, really, really good. Yeah. You know, when you're doing outside of the box type real estate deals, you're gonna have that happen all the time, and you ha- you can't get frustrated by it. You have to understand how to diffuse that stuff. Well said. So that's that's essentially frame control in a nutshell. That's 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 really it. Um, that's really good. You know, that that applies to so many different parts of business, and and you only scratch the surface. Um, you, you go into a lot more detail on your website about this, don't you? Yep, yep. They can find out more information about uh, leopardpill.com. Occasionally, a uh, blog about other stuff. I don't think we're probably gonna have enough time to cover everything, but like that's. I think we've we've covered third party endorsement, and frame control. Yeah. Likeability, appearance, credibility, popularity, and storytelling is um, 
is kind of the rest of it to really master this stuff. But you got to understand that you can't just read a book about this stuff. You can't just listen to this podcast and expect to master it. You just have to start doing it and then suck, suck, realizing you're going to suck at it and then starting to suck less and less until you get good at it. You know, like st- storytelling is a big one. Um, you'll notice that I've been telling examples and stories this entire podcast yeah. so that people understand the point that I'm trying to get across. In real estate, it's very much the same way. I'll be telling, you know, stories about like, okay, here's the problem. You got all these short sales and no one's, you know, no one's making offers on them. And the reason why is because a buyer makes an offer on it and then they flake out three months later. So what I do is I make an offer right away that's so low ball that I know the bank's not going to take. And then I list it with you when I know that it's going to, it's close to getting approved or is approved. That way, a higher percentage of my deals close. Does that make sense? I'm telling a story. I'm not just saying I buy, sell houses low and sell them high. Okay? You really have to be good at um, using examples that people understand because you have to understand that not everyone is as smart or as aware as, or as, aware as you are or they're not like in your world. You, know, you have to really dumb everything down, especially when you're doing creative type uh, real estate deals. I use storytelling a lot when I'm talking to sellers as well when – they maybe um, are trying to sell their house and they live in another state. And uh, <clears throat> I'll try to tell just short little stories of uh, one seller that I talked to was in a similar situation. And uh, they were just being eaten alive by these monthly payments. And the stress was just killing them while they were living so far away. Um, having to make these payments on a vacant house. But but surely you've thought about that, right? And you've got you know twelve months of reserves set aside for making payments on this vacant house. But uh, yeah. you tell little stories like that, and it just kind of brings up their pain again, doesn't it? Yeah, giving giving examples of stuff in the media. I can remember back when I was really active in finding short sale leads. I you know I, I would always start out the conversation like it used to be people that didn't pay their bills were in foreclosure, and now. It's just people that just can't sell their house because everyone's so over leveraged. But you know what? It's not a big deal. Abraham Lincoln filed bankruptcy twice before he became president. I don't know if you're aware of that or not. No. So like I set them at ease and make them not feel so bad because I mean it's very humbling and embarrassing to be in foreclosure, especially now. You have doctors and lawyers and in, in, in foreclosure. So you gotta have to read who you're talking to. If you're talking to a power frame, that would be a bad example to use. But if you're talking to someone that's at rock bottom, that's kind of like in the victim, stick my head in the sand mindset, you you would might pre-frame the conversation with something like that. You know, like people that have big egos, go always go out of your way to give them the frame and let them feel cooler than you. Yeah. But also kind of let them know that you know what's up also. That's all part of like likability. One thing interesting that you said um, is you know there's going to be a lot of people listening to this podcast that aren't going to be offended by this kind of stuff, um, and that's that. It's actually learning to be likable is actually sometimes intentionally pissing people off. So like if if I'm uh, polit if if you're you know like a, a politician always tries to be a one all end all to keep as many people happy as possible, and it comes off as not genuine. Where someone's just outspoken, like listen, here's how it is. And if you don't like that, that's tough. That's fine. That's why Tim Tebow is the most likable person in the world. 
because he praised Jesus when he, you know, scores a touchdown. And even though there's a lot of people that probably don't like that, don't like Tim Tebow, the people that like Jesus are like raging hardcore fans because he does something, he does something so politically incorrect. And you end up attracting people that you do business with that you actually like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So being like, so being likable is sometimes intentionally not being likable to other people because you don't want to do business with them anyways. Right. You know, but you know, and, and again, all the stuff I'm talking about could totally be like, Oh, this is manipulative. I shouldn't do this. I mean, like if you understood how to, I mean, think about like right now, like with school, this is like, I'm going to get a little bit borderline political and even borderline offensive, but look at school shootings right now. You've got all these, kids that get bullied and they don't know how to handle it and they go postal on all these kids, okay? And so you've got all these anti-bully campaigns. Oh, don't bully kids. And I think that's great. And then we're, at least we're doing something. But what if like there was a mentor to sit a kid down that didn't have good communication skills and showed him how to give a frame away to a bully, yeah. okay? Oh, yeah. Like they said something about his shirt and then he diffused the power frame by telling the bully, it's like, I know, dude. That's because I'm not as cool as you, and you're like way better looking than I am, um, and I totally get it. But you know what? I'm I'm just doing the best with what I can. So, anyways, um, by the way, what's your name, dude? You know, you seem like you know what you're doing. <laughs> they just like diffuse like the bully is just completely the big clumsy power frame, the insecure douchebag is completely <laughs> caught off guard yeah. and doesn't even expect to do that. You know, so by you know, showing these so-called manipulation skills, we could potentially be saving lives. I'm all about saving lives. <laughs> that's, that's how I'm going to justify it. Is that good? Good. That, that's good, right? That's very good. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like, I mean, I'm kind, I'm kind of being, I'm actually really being serious, but I just want people to understand how you have to view this kind of stuff. If, you know, it's like, oh, I don't want, you know, people hear about this stuff. It's like, oh, I'm just going to be me. Okay. If you're, if you're only just going to be you, you're not going to be able to date the person you really want to date, raise the kid you really want to raise, and have the career you really want to raise. Think about as mastering this stuff and being the better version of you. Mm-hmm. That's really you have to think about it. Don't always look at it as manipulation. And make sure you, don't, you always use your powers for good and not evil. Don't be a Sith. Be a Jedi. <laughs> Very good, man. <clears throat> don't be a Sith. I'm writing that down. So, uh, Nathan, you've been very generous, and, and uh, you're going to be coming out. You're constantly updating this blog. Uh, you're, you're, you're coming out with a book, aren't you? And it's going to be diving into a lot more detail about yeah, this. Yeah, the, the basically, yeah, it's called Get Anything You Want, No BS. I'm, like, releasing some of the chapters on my blog yeah. because I want to get feedback from the people commenting on it to make sure that I want it to be one of those books that when you read the book, it's, like, completely game-changing. And then what I'm doing is I'm, I want this to get anything you want, no BS. Like, I want to prove that I know what I'm talking about. So I want it to be a number one New York Times bestselling um, book and a number one Amazon bestselling book by using the same strategies in the book to launch the book to see how it works. So you guys, if you go to leopardpill.com and subscribe, you guys will be able to tell whether I am full of crap or not. <laughs> I mean, it's good. You can totally see me fail and not get what I want, which is to be a number one New York Times best-selling author and a number one uh, Amazon number one selling author. I mean, that's a that's a big feat. I'm going to have to infiltrate good old boys networks and authors and get people to endorse my book and make myself more popular. And um, you know, that's kind of how I got the TV show. 
because I was using strategies in the book, on the book, I actually wrote a blog post, it's called How Any Idiot Can Get on TV. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, so any of my critics that say, oh, well, the only reason that you were able to be number one is because you got this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy to send an email to their list endorsing your book. I'm like, yeah, I know, exactly. It's, a good, it's all a good old boys club. It's all about who you know. So you're kind of proving my point. Thanks. You know, like when you understand the psychology of how to infiltrate any good old boys network, you can literally get anything you want. It's not just about being rah-rah and thinking positive thoughts or just trying harder. You really need to think strategically. Okay, so who's the, what do we want? Okay, uh, we want to get in. We want to sell the hedge funds. Okay, what are the five hedge funds that are buying in this area? Okay, who are the contacts that hang out at these hedge funds? These five guys. Okay, where do they hang out at? Well, we don't know. Where's the right-hand man hanging out at? Right here. Okay, how can we meet him? Okay, let's get him, let's figure out who Homer is, what he wants. Let's hook him up with someone. Now let's get him to give us a third-party endorsement into the head guy. Now you're in the good old boys club. Okay, no one's willing to do this. Most people aren't willing to do that stuff because they, they don't understand step-by-step step how to infiltrate any good old boys network. Right. Okay, when you start to think strategically um, like this, not only will you accomplish those goals, but sometimes you'll fail but it will lead to something else that was better than you even thought. So doors will open for you that you weren't even thinking about because you're, you're, you're becoming a person of influence. You're giving so many third-party endorsements, which we talked about in the last episode, that, that uh, you're, 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 giving a, you're giving so many of these third-party endorsements that more doors open up for you. So like when I got on TV, for example, I was in a mastermind that I was a part of, which is a good old, a good old boys network, okay? And this guy that was in there for two years um, grabs me at a seminar during this live inter- radio interview and says, "Hey Nate, do you want to be? Do you want to be on this radio interview? They're in- interviewing different internet marketers." I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So he introduced me to the radio dude, and I get on the radio. And then he's like, "He's like, all right, well, we're here with Nate Jerwitz with Internet Marketing Mobile.net, but Nate, I got to ask, what's the deal with the hair?" And then I said, actually, Sully, it's a, it's a birthmark. I'm real sensitive about it. I don't want to talk about it. Next question. Yeah. On live radio, not even knowing <laughs> you. That totally backfired. And they immediately liked it. And then, you know, just, he just gave, he gave me the opportunity to be on his radio show and, um, for a couple of weeks. And after that, he tells me, okay, well, here's how TV works. We're going to give you your own TV show. It costs $150,000 to make this TV show. You're going to be the producer. You're going to own half the show, so you got to come up with $75,000. Um, but you can have people that are paying to be um, interviewed on the show to pay those distribution fees. So I'm like, okay. So I sign a contract, and I'm not done yet, but I've almost raised all of the money to buy my way on the TV because of my network of different real estate experts and internet marketing experts that want to say that they're on TV so that they can increase their credibility and their popularity. Okay. Yeah. Most people would be like, Oh, well, when am I going to, when's someone going to put me on TV? It's like, no, no, no. If you want to get on TV, you've got to like make it happen. And it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a $75,000 check to write. It just means you got to know the right people, get in with the right people, and then figure out a way to make it a win-win so that other people can pay for all of that stuff. And that happened by accident. But it's because 
I've always been using third-party endorsements. I've always hung out in the right crowds, and I accidentally got on TV, and it led to, led to something bigger. And this 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 was happening after I came up with the concept for the book. You know, so it's I mean, you always have to be thinking about this stuff. You can't just think just strategically. You always have to be thinking, okay, if I hook up this guy with this guy, this guy with this guy, this guy with this guy, more opportunities are going to arise than you even know what to do with. And you're going to be in demand. People are going to chase you rather than you chasing them. You know, <clears throat> that is so powerful. And I, I told you guys at the beginning this is going to be unlike any podcast you've heard before. You don't hear people talking about this stuff. Uh, but this is the real world. This is what goes on. I, I think that um, – Everyone knows this stuff. Everyone's like, everyone knows it's not what you know, it's who you know. Right. But I think that when you ask someone, how, do, how are you a really good networker, they don't really break it down. They say, well, I just go and I talk to people and I'm nice and I figure out what they want first and then I give it to them and then I get what I want. That's true, but there's not substance to it. And the only reason I'm able to break this stuff down is not because I'm some brilliant teacher or anything like that because I'm not. It's just because I wasn't born or I didn't possess these social skills. I had to learn them and reverse engineer all of them. And then I had that big aha moment late last year. And now I understand how to break it down and teach it. So by not being a natural at this stuff, it makes me a better teacher. People that are naturals are horrible teachers. Like, like you know, like the guy in high school that's really good with women but has no idea why. They call it a natural he doesn't even understand why he's good with women. He just is. But the dork that was a virgin until he was 25 that learned all this stuff, he becomes a pickup artist and starts teaching. It's the same thing. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, cool, man. Anything else you want to add before we end this? Um, leopardfill.com. Check out the, uh, the uh, website. Um, join our subscribers list and um, – um, that's really that's really it. But if there's anyone, uh, you know, also we're always also looking for different guests to interview on my show. So if anyone's got like a, we're looking for people with really cool internet marketing tactics to interview and put on shows. So if you're interested in buying your way on TV, you certainly contact me on my website about that. Um, and that's uh, you know let me really let it. me throw in a plug too, guys. A lot of you have some really unique, interesting. Um, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Strat tactics or strategies, um, groundbreaking. I think that's what I was looking for. Kind of things that you're doing right now in your in your real estate business that um, is real was working really really well for you and not too many other people know about. And you've been kind of thinking in the back of your mind, hey, this might make a good product or this might make something that this might be something that people would be interested in that can really help people. And you're looking for somebody to help you. Um, kind of get started with marketing that. Now, let me just tell you, Nathan doesn't charge. I mean, he's not cheap, but there's probably nobody better in the industry that can help you get that product launched and started. And he he doesn't do this very often. Um, this is all frame control. No, but I'm being serious yeah. here because... <laughs> I only work with smart people. Yeah, okay? <laughs> well, it, it, it's true. Yeah, he he does turn a lot of people down, and I, and I and and uh, I know this from people that I've talked to. Um, but if you're interested in working with him, you can get his contact information at, at his website leopardpill.com. Yeah, t typically what happens is if people inquire about consulting, I sit down with them and I'm like, all right, well, what are you doing? 
okay, what, what's your product idea? What kind of deals are you doing? And I'm like, what's your idea for a product? And they'll tell me. And then I'll say, well, I'll say, well, that idea sucks and I can't help you. Or I'll say, that idea isn't really good, but if we made the unique selling proposition this and sold it this way and priced it at this and used this as the hook, people will most likely buy it. And then I'll you know, work with them and write them a check. And I'll sit down with them and you know, just talk about um, the psychology of how to roll out these types of products, what kind of resources to use, where to get a merchant account. I also broker their offer and hook them up and make other third-party endorsements to other people in the industry. So I work with a lot of real estate um, experts, uh, guys like uh, Sean Terry, Jason Lucchese, uh, Matt Andrews, Brian Mara, Kerry Wilbur, um, and just, just off the top of my head, a lot of those products that have come out, I've kind of been behind the scenes out on and helped them position what's a good idea and what's a bad idea. Because if you're going to get into information marketing, what happens is you do all this work. You do six months worth of work to put together some type of course or training program or something like that. And then you release it and you realize only two people would buy it. I can help save that time by from the very beginning letting you know whether their skill and story or not is sellable or not. And the only reason is not because I'm this great marketer, but because literally I've created 20 different approximately, I mean, there's 18 different real estate information products. And I've had some of them crush and some of them completely bomb. So I already know what not to do. Very good. Very good. Well, thank you, Nathan. And again, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to uh, get our fast cash survival kit. Uh, I'm sorry, Alex couldn't be with us. He really wanted to be here, but it couldn't work out. Leave us a review on iTunes. We appreciate all the feedback we get on there. And thank you again, Nathan, very much. This has been really, really good. Awesome, awesome. All right, see you guys. Bye-bye. See you.